0: Welcome to Arbor Bridge Church's weekly podcast with your teacher, Daryl Canty. Arbor Bridge Church exists to bridge the gospel and our community by connecting people to Jesus and each other. Visit us online at ArborBridgeChurch.com
1: with you. Um, if you're joining us on YouTube, I'd love for you to subscribe to our YouTube channel by clicking the subscribe button under the video. Um, and then if you're a guest with us joining us today, um, we're, uh, we're glad that you're here. Um, if you're joining us in person, we'd love for you to fill out one of the connect cards in the chair in front of you. Um, also, you can, um, if you're joining us online, we'd love for you to go to the bottom of any page of our website and uh, just let us know that you're, uh, you're, you're with us. Um, and those emails will come to me and then I'd love to just get to know you and respond and invite you to be a part of our, our church family. Um, so... Uh, <clears throat> This week, um, as as we begin uh, our worship service, I want to uh, to to just talk a little bit about last week. Last week was Father's Day, um, and I shared some thoughts with you a little bit about being adopted into a family or adopted into the Lord's family that will that's going to last forever. Um, so. When that happens, we begin to trade our identity from uh, our old family to a new family, Um, similar to when uh, we do do, uh, physical adoptions here on earth. As a part of God's new family, um, he wants to see us become everything that he's dreaming of for us. He has a dream for what he wants us to become or be, um, and he wants to invest in us becoming that, similar to the way that we invest in our children becoming everything we want them to be. Uh, we do that by you know, putting them in school and teaching them things, teaching them classes. Um, you know, we teach them things ourselves. The father wants to do that with us. He has things he wants to teach us. He wants us to learn he wants us to become. And much of that will happen through our interaction with each other um, and uh, our investment in our, in our church family. So I want to share this verse with you before I, I turn it over to Johannes. And this is from Psalm 32. It says this, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. Do not be like the horse or the mule, which have no understanding, but must be controlled by bit and bridle, or they will not come to you. Many are the woes of the wicked, but the Lord's unfailing love surrounds the one who trusts in him. Rejoice in the Lord and be glad, you righteous. Sing all you who are upright in heart. Let's stand together and... Uh, Sing
0: I've heard a thousand stories of what they think you're like But I've heard the tender whisper of love in the dead of night, and you tell me that you're pleased and that I'm never alone. You're a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are. Who you are. And I'm loved by you. It's who I am, it's who I am, it's who I am. I've seen many searching for answers far and wide, but I know we're all searching for answers oh, you provide because you know just what we need before we say a word you're a good good father it's who you are who you are it's who you are and I'm loved by you it's who I am who I am who I am and you are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. Speak peace, so unexplainable. I, I can hardly think as you call me deeper still. As you call me deeper still. As you call me deeper still in the love. it's who you are, it's who you are, it's who you are, and I'm loved by you, it's who I am, it's who I am, it's who I am, and you are perfect in all of your ways, perfect in all of your all of your ways To us. You're a good, good father It's who you are It's who you are It's who you are And I'm not by you It's who I am It's who I am It's who I am To this I hold, my hope is only Jesus, for my life is wholly bound to His. Oh, how strange and divine I can sing all is mighty and not I, but through Christ in God, but I am not forsaken, for by my side the Savior, he will stay. I labor on in weakness every joy you For in my need his power is displayed. To this I hold, the shepherd will defend me Through the deepest valleys he will lead Oh, the night has been won And I shall overcome Yet not I, but through Christ I dread, I know I am forgiven, the future's sure, the price it has been paid, for Jesus bled and suffered for my pardon, and he was raised to overthrow the grave. To this I hold, my sin has been defeated. Jesus, now and ever is my plea. Oh, the chains are released, I can sing. I am free, and not I, but through Christ himself. To this I hold my hope is only Jesus. All the glory evermore to Him. When the race is complete still my lips shall repeat. Yet not I but through Christ in me. When the is complete, still my lips shall repeat. Yeah, not I, but through Christ in me. Yeah, not I, but through Christ in
1: Uh, this next song that uh, Johannes will will share with us is is by an artist named Jason Upton. Um, it's called "Just Like You," and uh, it's a song that's new to Arbor Bridge. So, if you would like to just meditate on it or you know read through the lyrics, they'll be up on the screen um, with him as he as he goes to it. Just, that's great. Uh, if you know it or if you'd like to sing along with it, once you pick up on it, you feel free to join in. That would be great. Um, this song. Is about a Jesus follower uh, who is who's intent on proving himself, uh, who feels like he's got to do it on his own. He's got to show just how much he knows or how much he can do or he has to prove himself or prove what he's worth or prove how, uh, how talented he is or how good he is and he won't accept help. Um, and doesn't bother to take time to ask for help or ask for for the Lord's help or for others to join in on what God wants to accomplish. Um, Then he's just preoccupied with uh, accomplishing the agenda of proving himself. Um, And so uh, as Yohannes sings, meditate on this and see if you see yourself uh, in this song at all.
0: I've tried to cast out the demons I've gone to the darkest of regions when fear has me shaken you suddenly breaking to save me and I desire to be like you. Like any son or daughter I want to be like my father And I desire to be like you You promised to never forsake me So I'll risk it all if you'll make me like you You stand beside me just waiting While I try to go it alone Smiling you say, son, come here Won't you let me just help you frustrated, I try to make it, cause I've just got something to prove, not knowing that it is my weakness that perfects your power, but I desire. any son or daughter. I want to be like my father. And I desire to be like you. You promised to never forsake me. So I'll risk it all if you'll make me like you. Father, make me just like you. Father, make me just like you. Father make me just like you I want to be just like you Father make me just like you Father make me just like you Father make me just like you, Father, just like you. I want to be just like you and I desire to be like you like any son or daughter I want to be like my father and I desire I'll risk it all. If you make me like you. Uh,
1: great job. Thank you. One of the most compelling things to me about Jesus is when he was on earth, he didn't, he he didn't act like he, he had something to prove to anybody. Um, I, and, I, and I often act like I have something to prove to people. Uh, and when you, when, you're, when you feel like you have something to prove or you're trying to, to do something like this, it can get you off track of what God wants to accomplish in you. Uh, and you get lost in, in yourself. And uh, so I appreciate the song that, that Johannes introduced to, uh, introduced to us. Um, it's a great song. Uh, we'll, we'll hear it again. Uh if you're a member of our church family and you'd like to to see her continue and flourish, I love I wanna ask you to continue to invest in her. Um you can invest in her financially by going to arborbridgechurch.com forward slash give. Um you can also give um by sending checks in the mail to 2,500 South Main Street, or if you're here with us in person and wanna invest in our church family, there's a little white box in the middle of the lobby that um we'd love for you to to invest in her that way. Um At the end of our message, we're going to participate in something that we call communion or the Lord's Supper. Um, And it's basically a time in our worship service where we give some specific thought to the life, death and resurrection of Jesus Christ uh, and how we should respond to it, what we should do about it. Um, So if you're here with us in person and you'd like to participate, there are some communion elements out in the lobby. Um, that are in that middle table, please uh, please get one. Um, you can get up and get it whenever you like. Um, if you're at home with us um, and you're watching online, we'd love for you to participate also. Um, get a piece of bread and some some grape juice, or so just you just use water if you don't have any grape juice to participate with us. Um, if you're part of our church family and you're you're watching online, it's it's important to me that you participate in communion uh, to to help bring us back together to this idea of we are one, we are one church body. Um, and I think that's part of what Christ wanted us to think of when we, when we took communion together. So um, let me pray. And then I'll share, I'll share a message with you, with you guys um, this morning. Um, dear father, uh, I pray that when any of us interact here as a, as a part of our church family, um, there would be nothing to prove. Um, it would just be about us representing you and your presence to to each other and to the world. Um, I pray that today as I speak, there would be nothing to prove that it would just be me sharing what you want uh, want our church family to hear, what us to know um, and I pray that it would build us or build, build our spiritual muscles it would build us into more of who you want us to be in Jesus name amen. Um, so what of my one of my wife's favorite Movies is a movie called "It's a Wonderful Life." Um, it's a Christmas movie about a man named George Bailey, uh, who grows up in a small town called Bedford Falls. And uh, near the beginning of the movie, uh, George is sitting with his father. He's having a meal with his father, and his father asks him. Um, George is getting ready to go to college, and his father asks George. He says, "George, would you consider after you're done with college coming back to Bedford Falls?" And helping with the family business. Is, you know, is there any way that you would consider doing that? And George's response is like, <laughs> like, I can't do that. There's no way I can do that. He says, I want to do something big, something important. And the rest of the movie is about how, you know, it's about how George is figuring out what it means to do something big, something important. Uh, it's, very, uh, it's a great movie. If you haven't seen it, you should see it. So before the nation of Israel uh, was a kingdom, before it was a kingdom, uh, they had this, this time frame where uh, there was this time period called the period of the judges. Um, so there were no kings and there were only judges. And judges were the leaders of the nation um, in a different way than the king would lead. Uh, judges were supposed to interpret the law. Um, they were supposed to teach people the law, say this is how, this is how, you, how you obey God's law. And um, sometimes they would end up being a military leader. But an outstanding judge, my favorite judge of all the, all the Israelite judges is a judge named Samuel. Um, and he's this guy just full of integrity, honor, character, super great. Just an impressive leader. Um, he takes his role of judge very, very seriously. Um, he's selfless. Uh, he's, he's impossible to bribe. Uh, he, he's, he's just, he just only seeks to do what's right. He only seeks to do what's right. And I... I just a great, a great leader. So many of you guys know uh, that Roe versus Wade was overturned this week. Uh, and, I, and I know from, from some of your social media accounts and interacting with you that for some of you, it's a crushing blow. And for some of you, it's, it's something to celebrate. Um, and it clearly, clearly I, I have thoughts on this. Um, maybe we can talk about that later at some point. But um, there's one part of this story that I think that we should all agree on, no matter, you know, what side of the aisle you're on or whatever, however you land on that. In regards to this decision, um, some of you guys know that some of the judges were being intimidated and threatened uh, into, to, you know, voting a certain way or deciding a certain way. Um, we should all agree that that's wrong, Right. We should all agree that that shouldn't happen in, in, a, in, a, in a place like that. We should all agree that, that that's, that's terrible. That kind of thing shouldn't happen. Um, and we all want judges who can't be threatened or intimidated into, into saying, OK, 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 we'll decide whatever you want or we'll do whatever you want because you're threatening me or you're trying to intimidate me. If you can appreciate those kind of ideas, if we all agree that, yeah, yeah, that's, that's, those are the things that we want. If we can all agree, those, then you have an idea about this guy, Samuel. He lived at a time like that in Israel where people, people were behaving badly. And no matter what everyone else was saying, he listens intently for what God wants him to do. And he does that, whether people like it or not. And he, pray, he prays for the people and he cares for the people. And he he's just very, very intent on being the kind of judge that God calls him to do, God, God calls him to be. And, what, and, and and I think that it's really interesting that he ends up being that person because the, the culture that he's born into is this culture where might makes right, um, do whatever you want or whatever, or whatever you can get away with. Um, it's a culture where uh, everyone gets to do whatever they would like to do. And Samuel's born into this atmosphere and in that atmosphere he becomes this great man of God. And my question is how does that happen? Like how does, how does this, this great man of God grow up and come out of a culture like that? When he becomes leader uh, the nation's run by Tyrants. And people too weak to stand up to the tyrants, and then there's Samuel. He can't be bought. He's nobody's pawn. He stands up for what's right. He tells the truth even when people don't want him to want him to tell it. And you can imagine, like when you tell the truth when people don't want to hear it, that. That makes for bad blood. That makes for people to be really angry. He does it anyway. He does it anyway. He's not too afraid. Even as a child, he's doing this. And so to tell people the truth about what God says is super awesome. He's just a man of integrity and character and just super great character in the Bible. Um, So Samuel got the nation, the whole nation, because of who he is, to turn, turn their hearts around for the Lord. It says this, Samuel said to all the Israelites... If you are returning to the Lord with all your hearts, then rid yourselves of the foreign gods and the Ashtoreth. And the the Ashtoreth is just a kind of God. um, And commit yourselves to the Lord and serve him only. And he will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines. The Philistines at that time were the Israelites' enemies. Um, So the people return to God. um, And all the years of Samuel's life, they are god-fearing they have peace with their enemies um it is it's it's, it's just it's a great time in israelite history if samuel has started his life by saying something like i want to do something big something important you know if you read his life you would say oh good job you did it you did something big you did something important well done you did that with your life you did that with your life my question, my question is how did he do it? How did he become such a great man even though he's surrounded by selfishness and sin? Um, so I, I don't know if you feel like this. I feel, I, I think, I think that all of us want to do something important, something big with our lives. You know, we, we want to do something big, we want to do something important with our lives. And it, maybe if, if you don't feel that way anymore, you just say, I'm just kind of coasting to the end. Uh, maybe you, 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 at one point you would have said, I want to do something big. I want to do something important with my life. I want you to consider this, consider this thought. Your greatest contribution to the kingdom may not be something you do, but someone you raise. Your greatest contribution to the world may not be something you do, it may be somebody you believe in, someone you invest in, someone you disciple, someone you mentor. Um, Samuel became a great man, the great man that, that, that you know or, or you can know about from the Bible. He became that great man because there were specific people who gave themselves to investing in his life. They gave themselves to, to, to seeing him become who he is. We're going to talk about that today. So every year at Mother's Day and Father's Day, I, always, I, I like to talk about all kinds of parents, spiritual, you know, Mothers, fathers, you know, stepfathers, stepmothers, all, all kinds of different parents. But I specifically like to talk a little bit about spiritual, spiritual fathers and spiritual mothers. And I, I do that, uh, and, and you know, I only talk about it a little bit. I do that intentionally because I, I think that as Jesus followers, we should be spiritual parents to someone in some way. As Jesus follows, we should be spiritual parents. And in a sentence, what that means is this. What that means is this. We act act like our greatest contribution to the world, maybe not something that we do, but someone that we invest in or believe in, that we act like that, that we think like that. If someone said to me, Daryl, I want you to be a spiritual father to this person, or to me, would I know what to do? Would I know what that means? Today, I want to to share uh, just a few thoughts about what spiritual parents do for the people they invest in. And then I want to ask you to do this. I want to ask you to give some thought to, uh, are are you a spiritual parent to anyone? Is there anyone that you're investing in? Is there anyone you're discipling? Is there anyone that you're... Do, do, do you do that? Do you do that? I, I, and I want you to consider doing that for someone. Maybe someone in our church family. Someone in our church family. So first, um, Hannah's mom... Uh, Samuel's mom was a woman named Hannah. She was a she was a prayer. She she went through uh, she went she goes through hard things in her life. Her first reflex was to pray. Spiritual parents, and this is something that I feel like it, it, your first very first step: pray for the people that they're investing in. They pray for the people they're investing in. You could you can do that. You can do that. before Samuel was born, his mom's praying for him. She says this, It says this. In her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. And she made a vow saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life and no razor will ever be used on his head. So um, <clears throat> Hannah's going through something awful. If, you, if you'd like to know more about what she's going through, then um, you can read about that in First Samuel 1 chapter 1. Um, great again, great story. That's when you learn about who Samuel is. Um, in the midst of her pain that she's going through, uh, she, she, she Her reflex is to pray, uh, which I love that. I love that. I think that, you know, that's just a great example for all of us. Our reflex when you're going through something terrible to pray. In the midst of her pain, she's praying for her future. So let me, let me say, let me say that all of our, all of our first spiritual parents, it would be great if all of our first spiritual parents were our birth parents. Uh, That would be great. obviously that doesn't always happen and it's a missed opportunity so parents pray, pray, pray for your children before they're born, after they're born pray for your children I want to invite you to do that Uh, if if you have children and you're married pray together for your children Um, and again, I'm saying this out loud I'm not great at it I want to invite you to do that pray When you pray for someone, you're you're doing one of the things that the spiritual spiritual parent should do. You're investing in someone when you pray for them. And again, it's often I don't feel like that. I'm like, well, I know I can pray for them, but what what else can I do? Pray for the people that you imagine you could invest in. And, and let me encourage you with this. Let me encourage you with this. This is a, a step further. Um, <clears throat> This happens to me often. Sometimes someone will say, hey, Daryl, not just because I'm a pastor, but this Daryl, would you pray for me about this thing? When that happens to you and people ask you to pray for them, I want to challenge you to do this. Say, yes, I would love to pray for you. In fact, let's pray right now. Let's pray right now. And you pray for them right then. Will it feel weird when you first start doing it? Yes. <laughs> yes, it will. It will feel weird. It will feel awkward. It will most definitely feel that way. Push past, I'm asking you to push past that. Um, so, and, and just let me say this about myself just confession. The devil often uses awkwardness, feelings of awkwardness, to keep me from doing things that I should do. Right? The devil often uses feelings of awkwardness to keep me from doing things that I should do. So, pray. I want to invite you to be a spiritual parent and then pray. So in addition to praying for Samuel, Hannah also dedicates her son to the Lord um, all, for all the days of his life. She, she dedicates his son, her son to the Lord. So again, every one of us, uh, if you're a parent, we do well to dedicate every one of our children over to the Lord all the days of their lives. Um, we'll see in a moment that when Hannah does this, she's doing something very specific. Uh, we'll I'll talk about that in just a second. But if, if you're a Jesus follower, this should characterize our lives, right? This should characterize our lives. That each of us are dedicated to the Lord and, and we're, dedicated to, we're, we're dedicating our children to the Lord all the days of our lives. So often often um, when, our, when our kids are young, this is just, just an example. When our kids are young, we'll, we'll often ask them questions like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And, and I've I shared this with some of you guys before, but it's, but it's relevant today. We'll ask them questions like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I do this all the time. I ask those kinds of questions all the time. I want to remind you and ask you to put this at the forefront of your mind, to ask you to change that question just a little bit to this. Something like this. What do you think God would want you to do with your life? What what do you think God might be calling you to do in your life? And just that little shift shifts from this idea of your life's all about whatever you want to do with your life to you are dedicated to the Lord for your life. For all of your life. So what does he want you to do? What you want to do is, that's good, but maybe what he wants you to do is better. I want to invite you to begin to think in that direction to ask questions in that direction. I think it reflects the idea that, that we are dedicated to the Lord all of our lives. So in ancient times, it was common for people who worshipped idols to sacrifice their first child to the particular idol that they were, they were worshipping. Um, they, and they did that in faith, in the, in the hopes or the belief that if they sacrificed their first child, then the, the idol would somehow provide for the, the, that their family. They would give you other children and they would give you health and wealth and the things like that. So we sacrifice our first child and Hannah does a version of this. You know, she, doesn't, she doesn't kill him, but consider that when she does it, when she gives up her son to the Lord, she dedicates him to him, She has no idea if she's going to have any other children. She hasn't had any children. She becomes pregnant and her firstborn son is Samuel. After raising him for a short period of time, probably five years old, she takes him to the, the, the priest at the time. His name was Eli. She said to him, pardon me, my Lord. As surely as you live, I am the woman who stood here beside you praying to the Lord. I prayed for this child and the Lord has granted me what I asked of him. So now I give him to the Lord for his whole life. He will be given over to the Lord. And she turns her son, she turns her five-year-old son over to this priest and goes home. And goes home. Which is it's pretty incredible. It's pretty incredible. She turns over her son to Eli to be raised at the temple of the Lord, uh, where all the priests live. So you want to do you you want to do something great. You want to do something important with your life. Give your children over to the Lord. Pray in dedication that their whole pray in dedication that they would dedicate their whole lives over to Him. And clearly, this isn't something that you can force, but it's something you can begin. And if you're investing, if you're investing in someone other than your children. What if, what if we consider doing this? What if we consider doing this? Dedicating that specific relationship to the Lord. Lord, this specific relationship is for you. I want, I want to specifically dedicate this, this relationship to you, God. And maybe that will lead us to behave differently. Maybe that will lead us to invest differently. I'd love for you to consider that. So after Hannah dedicates her son to the Lord and turns him over to the priest, Eli, she comes to visit Samuel every year. But for the most part, we don't hear about her anymore in history. Her role is over. If it was Hannah's goal to do something big, something important, she did it because she understood this. Her, her greatest contribution to the kingdom of God might not be something that she did, but someone that she raises, something that she invests in. I'd love for you to consider that for your life. So when Hannah drops off Samuel with Eli, Eli takes over investing in her son and uh, developing this young man of God. So the history tells us this. So Samuel grew up in the presence of the Lord. Samuel grew up in the presence of the Lord. I knew it. When I read verses like that, I'm like, what? it sounds um, very supernatural and out of reach. And I would say that it is supernatural. But it's not out of reach not out of reach. I mean, our homes should be places where people when they come, they experience the the Lord's presence. Um, And we, we honestly have an advantage over Eli and Samuel because we have the Holy Spirit in us. So as Jesus followers, everywhere we go, every place we're at, we're taking the presence of the Lord. When I interact with people, With hospitality and grace, that's a way for me to allow people to experience the presence of the Lord. Um, And and they might not be able to describe it or know what it is when it's happening, but every time they experience love, joy, peace, the things that the the fruits of the Spirit come, they're experiencing the presence of the Lord. You're being... A spiritual parent when you invite people into your space and let them experience the presence of the Lord in you. So Eli did this for Samuel. We do this in our in our in our homes when we practice the Sabbath. This is part of why I'm asking our church family to practice the Sabbath. That when people interact with you, they experience rest and peace, and they can. It's not. It's slow. It is. It is something they can savor. We do this when we listen well to people, when we're not so interested in. in being the, the center of attention when we can slow down. There are so many people who who are never listened to by anyone. There are a million ways for you to experience, to help help people experience God's presence. I wonder if you'd do this. I wonder if you'd do this. Just start by praying this. Dear Father, I want people to experience your presence when they come in contact with me. Would you show me how to do that? Samuel grew up in the presence of the Lord. When I look at that verse, I'm like, I don't know how to do that. How do I make that happen? Okay, that's cool. That's fine. You can start with this. There, would you do this? there would you pray? Dear Father, I want people to experience your presence when they come in contact with me. Would you show me how to do that? Would you pray that prayer? Would you pray for that? Because if you are willing to do that, I think it's a prayer that God will answer. And you'll be able to help people that you're investing in grow up in the presence of the Lord because you are willing to be that vessel. Next, um, Eli was a spiritual parent to Samuel by teaching him how to listen for God. Uh, this is really, whenever I talk about listening for God, it's really hard to explain. I always feel awkward and there's not really a great formula to talk about it. So we have a hard time listening to each other, let alone listening for God. So often the person, when you, you're, you've experienced this, often the person with the loudest voice in the room, they're the one that gets, that gets listened to. Most of the time when God speaks to us, is not gonna be very loud. He's not gonna be the loudest voice. He'll speak quietly. So so, uh, Eli told Samuel, go and lie down. And if he calls you, say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Um, Eli teaches Samuel how to have time for silence and listen for God's voice. So clearly most of us uh, will not hear God audibly. But if if we had time for for people to come up on stage and share stories, many of you, many of you would come up and you say, you know what? I don't think I've ever heard God audibly but I think that I've, I've I think God's talked to me before he's like he's he's directed me to do something or he said to me I should I should do this or I should buy this or I should say this there are times where I feel like God has we need to pass that on to others you need to tell those stories And you need to pass it on to others. You need to say, this is what it felt like when that happened. This is what I I did. This is how I tested it. It needs to not be just for you. You need to pass it on. There are people in here who have experienced feeling like they've heard from God. And we need to share those experiences with others. If you, and if you look at Samuel's life and through the book of 1 Samuel, you, you, you'll see it's so interesting that first moment when Eli tells him how to listen for the Lord. And then over and over and over again, God's speaking to Samuel and telling him what to do and telling him how to be and telling him what to say and telling him how to act. And what I think back on is I wonder if that would have happened if he hadn't had that first moment with Eli saying, listen, this is how you do it. This is what you should do. Would all the rest of those, those times happen if you didn't have that moment at the beginning with somebody saying, hey, listen? And it doesn't have to be, I always make all these things harder than they have to be. What if I just shared what I've experienced with the Lord? It'd be, and it just begins with that. It just begins with that. I think Eli understood something that I have a hard time understanding. He understood that his greatest contribution to the kingdom of God might not be something that he did, but something, someone that he invested in. Final thing, super, super great thing about that Eli teaches Samuel. Um, Eli teaches Samuel to love the truth. Love the truth about what God says. Not back down from it. Not back down from it. Um, In our culture, it's super hard to uh, be gracious with truth, what you think is the truth. And it's very easy um, to get intimidated into not sharing the truth. Once when God spoke to Samuel, God told Samuel something about Eli. In fact, he said, this is how Eli is going to be punished because Eli hasn't been doing what he's been supposed to be doing. So at that time, Eli was Samuel's supervisor. He's like a superior, he's way superior and Samuel's young. And so Samuel's terrified. He's terrified. As any of us would, would be, we would, he was terrified. Eli creates an atmosphere that where, where, where gentle truth-telling is encouraged and asked for. Eli creates an atmosphere where if there's something true to be said, that you should say it. And I think it's really, really powerful when, when a great leader, when a leader creates an atmosphere where truth can be told, even if it's something they don't like, that's a great leader. That's a great leader. He creates, Eli creates an atmosphere where even when he does not like it, he is willing to hear the truth. And here, 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 here's how he does it. Here's, here's what he does. He gives Samuel permission to correct him. When you're a leader, when you're in charge, when you have people around you and you say, listen, you have permission to correct me if I'm doing something, please. Eli gives Samuel permission to do that. Parents, let me let me encourage you to do this. It's scary. Create situations where your kids can say, you know, what? I'd like for you to tell me a little bit about how I'm doing as a dad. Create a situation where you invite that kind of information. Where you say to me, Silver, my my kids' names, Silver and Dakota. Silver, Dakota, how how am I doing as a dad? What grade would you give me? Is there anywhere that I've, I've hurt you that I need to pay attention to? Eli does it apologizing when you're wrong. Anytime you ever have someone who's above you, has power over you, apologize to you, it's so powerful. As, again, if you're a parent or you're, you invest in people or you're a spiritual leader, you lead anybody, have you ever considered the idea of apologizing to your children or the people you invest in when you're wrong? Just to go, Listen, I'm super sorry for what I did. Would you please forgive me? Powerful, powerful. And then last, um, Eli teaches Samuel this atmosphere where truth is encouraged by responding well when he's being corrected. Responding well when being corrected. How do you respond when you're corrected? Think think back to the last time you had to be corrected by someone. How did you respond to that? How you respond dictates whether you're creating an atmosphere where truth can be told or where people are like, well, I'm not going to bring that up anymore. When we respond poorly to being corrected, what we're telling everyone is, I don't want to know the truth. I don't want to know the truth. Eli creates an atmosphere where even young people can correct him. It's powerful. It's a powerful, powerful, powerful thing. And when you do that, you are teaching others how to act, how to interact. At the end of the movie, um, It's a Wonderful Life. George Bailey figures out that big, the big and important things that he wanted to do are different than they thought, than he thought they were. What if the big and important things that you accomplish in this world won't be things that you do, but people that you invest in, um, people that you raise, people that you believe in? Before Jesus died on the cross, he says something that's that's pretty incredible. We've talked about this before, but it it, it 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 always blows my mind every time we read it. Every time we go over it, this is what Jesus says. He says, "Very truly, I tell you." And when he when he says that, he knows you're gonna have a hard time believing what I'm about to say. It's super hard to believe. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing. Just that by itself sounds crazy. And they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. Even with it like in front of my face and I'm reading, I'm like, that can't be true. <laughs> I don't believe that's true. <laughs> even though I don't want to believe it's true, I assume that it has to be true. In fact, it's past that. It has to be the truest thing in the universe because Jesus said it. Jesus said it, so it has to be the truest thing in the universe. Jesus understood the idea that the greatest thing that he would do for God's kingdom is invest in us, invest his life in us. So communion is a time where we're invited to live as Christ live, believing that if we give up our lives, Investing it in others that it will be our greatest contribution to the kingdom. That it will be far more powerful than we imagined that that we could do here on earth. Our 70, 80, 90 years, whatever time we're going to spend on here, if we spend it investing in others instead of making it about ourselves. Jesus does this flawlessly in a very short period of time, 33 years. Investing our lives in others will bring the greatest contribution to the kingdom. Be someone we raise, someone we invest in, someone we give our lives to. I'm inviting us to that. I'm inviting us to that. And it is so hard because it's, it requires such selflessness because I'm super busy trying to prove whatever about myself, trying to prove to the world that I'm doing something big and important. Well, maybe the big and important things I need to do are invest my life in others like Jesus did. As we take communion together today, that's, that's what I think we're, I'm inviting us into is that selflessness, that change of thought where we're abandoning our old family of selfishness and investing in this new family that we've been adopted into. Let me, let's pray together. Um, we'll take communion and then uh, I'll finish out the service. Uh, dear Father, um, it is most certain that I spend far too much time thinking about how I can prove how important I am or what a big deal I am. Uh, and far too little time thinking about how I can invest my life in others and seeing them become who you intend them to be, who you've dreamed of them being. Um, and I, 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 I honestly, if I had to be the most honest about what I act like and live like, I don't believe what you say when you, when you said that we would do greater things than you did. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. But I pray that you would help my unbelief. Help me to believe what it feels impossible to believe. And I pray that each of us would believe that. And that we would learn that what that, what that ends up turning and looking like is giving up our lives. Investing it in others. Investing it in others pray that you'd help us to commit to that or recommit to that as we're taking communion together. You've given us a perfect picture of what it looks like. Help us to live into it. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Thank you for listening. If you'd like more information on our church, visit us online at arborbridgechurch.com.